All right, Darren Smith, season two, episode three of the Always Loyal podcast. What's coming up? Jordan Carruth, epic podcast on the way. For the first time, we get to say hello to the head coach of San Diego Loyal, Nate Miller. Nate Miller is the second coach in club history. He joins us next on the Always Loyal podcast. Very excited for this conversation we're about to have on the Always Loyal podcast. The head coach of San Diego Loyal, Nate Miller, joins us as we get ready uh, for the upcoming season, preseason quickly here. How does that feel? How does it sound? It's the first time we've chatted with you since since the change. The head coach of San Diego Loyal. Is your life completely different now? No, not at all. Not not really too different, to be honest with you. Um, the, the, the show just goes on. The process goes on. So... Um, yeah, and I know it's been very different from the outside, but I think we've just had so much continuity recently at our club. So I think it's, it's, it's nice. It's, um, I'm excited for the season. Like I am for every season, but, um, yeah, it's good. I'm excited. When did the conversation start? When did that start rolling? Once Landon Donovan had an idea of what he would be doing, where, where you were headed, when did that all begin? Um, early, early conversations. Um, I think we're maybe late August, things like that, about just talking about the future. Um, he, he was really good, has always been very good about like not just dropping decisions of this and that, but just kind of always having like, like we do in life. We're always talking about our lives and our ongoing things that we're thinking about, even if things don't come to fruition. So it was early on and it's kind of like a natural progression of, of how things wound up. So it was, it was really nice to, to kind of have an idea of where his mind was at long before. And that was very helpful for me. And I think for the team uh, in the future. All right, good. So the rest of us were sort of surprised when that news popped in the first week of December, but it wasn't like that was just a decision where Landon wakes up and it's like, yeah, I think there's something else for me now, Nate, here are the keys. It's up to yeah. you. You had time mentally to, to think all of that through and, and think about what the whole dynamic was going to be about. Yeah. Mentally for sure, which is, is nice, but more importantly, like making sure everything's in place. And when we're making decisions, it's all go going to translate well and be correct. And, you know, like we all have our personal lives too, and what we're looking to do next. And so he's really like self-aware about that. He's really, he thinks about other people and, and their lives and their careers. And so it was, yeah, the planning from early on was, was always with that intention. And um, that was, that was obviously good for the club. So how does that change just your off season? You know, even Landon himself had, had been a, a guest on radio and said, you know, Nate Miller was responsible for almost all of the tactical approach that we have here over the first three years of the club's history. But, but how does your off season change as you're getting set for your first preseason game upcoming this Saturday? How did, how did all that change for you? Um, I'll answer the second thing first, you know, I, I think that's a, I hear that a lot and um, I know Landon's very gracious with it and he says things like that, but I think it underplays a little bit, to be honest, his role um, and like 
when you're a really good manager, what you do is put people in the exact right spots to, to succeed and to perform. And he's really good at doing that, you know? Um, and I think that I'm really, I'm really thankful for that. I mean, it's not just me. He does that with a, a lot of the people around the club. And so, yeah, like I was one of the reasons I came here is because of what he wanted to, how he wanted to work and how he wanted to utilize me and the, the relationship we would develop um, because I have a specific skill set or things that I love to do that, that I'm passionate about and how I work. And so at the same time, like his influence was, was tremendous, you know, and, and another reason I'm thankful that he's staying around. He's, he's still, you know, he'll be very present. And so we've shifted seats a little bit, but we're still, you know, he's still my boss. We're still working together every day closely. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think that the second part of your, your question was, um, how was, how has your life changed? Oh, no, honestly, not, not much at all. Like we're still like collaborate. We build the roster together. Um, and this year is very different. We had a, a much smaller roster build to do. And a lot of the work for this year was done during the year last year, um, signing center backs. We wanted to sign at the end of the year and then re-signing players. And so a lot of those deals are getting done and people don't know about it. We don't announce it during the season. And so, you know, we're always trying to think ahead, plan for the long term, and be a little bit different in our league in that respect. Uh, I'm curious with Landon Donovan's new role, how involved do you expect him to be with, with the coaching staff? Do you expect him to chime in, have a couple of opinions on things? Do you think he's just going to completely keep his distance and let you do your thing? What do you think that dynamic will be like? Yeah, we've had long discussions about that. The reality is I want, I want him to be involved, to always have his opinion, um, because I think that's good when you have smart people and people have context and, and, um, experiences together to always have an opinion and to help guide each other. So I think it's always been collaborative like that. He'll be down, I think to training once or twice a week and just be around and he'll still actually like one day of the week, we split up into different groups and work on like functional training and do things with individual players. And he really enjoys doing that. And so he'll stu- still do that with some of our attackers. So, um, I think that's a really healthy thing. You know, when you're with a group for a long time and it's a 10 month season, um, having different voices is super healthy for, for a locker room. So yeah, we, we know exactly like we actually went through the whole, literally the whole schedule of, of how that's going to look. And um, yeah, he'll, he'll be at the stadium on match day. Obviously he won't travel with us. So I think it'll be, we're, we obviously still need to work it out in real time, but we have a good, I think a good plan of how that will look. Do you know what your wardrobe will look like for the upcoming season? <laughs> you mean for games? Yes, of course. I think that's always <laughs> like a big topic for head coaches, you know, this like a huge um, subject on this podcast. Well, I mean, I mean, especially I mean, I, in this sport, I feel like managers, head coaches, like you could, there's a lot of really well-dressed. There's some guys that take a very different approach. I, I feel, I mean, if anything, we've learned from your days as the assistant, I think you're going to, you're going to dress very well, but I'm just curious if, if it goes up even another level now that you're right. Nate, you can't blend well, in anymore on the bench. Yeah. You, know, you sort of got to stand out I just there. wore my, 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 like the track clothes, but, um, well, yeah, I don't know if you guys know, there's actually like a, like some sort of dress code. I know exactly what it is, but I will tell you this. I won't be wearing like $900 jeans like Landon <laughs> does, but I will be like, yeah, I mean, I'll dress up. I'll do my very best and, um, you know, yeah, do that kind of thing. So I, there's a hilarious story in 2019 I actually got fined by the USL for, for not dressing to their standards. And it's hilarious. Like you open an email and it's like, you got fined and I'm like, what is this about? And it was literally like an attachment like the email is like circling 
like you had shorts on and it's like oh my gosh you got to be kidding me so it's some hilarious stuff there's some funny things behind the scenes that the, the league cares about that i think is kind of comical we've asked jake well, edwards about this it, it's the wardrobe yeah. committee is what he called it yeah look okay this is in south georgia in august which calling it hot is like like you can't even breathe and i'm like <laughs> Orange shorts. This is this is so disgusting, and like they're like trying to convince me. Hey, I was like, I know, I admit it. I, 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 of course, I wore shorts. You know how hot it is out here, and so I'll never do it again, though. I'll tell you that much. Okay, yeah. but find. So, yeah, but not like a bow tie. We're not going to go that far. Are we? No, we, we no, can't be no. That dressed up. No, I'm not like that. Okay. <laughs> um, is there anything that that you would expect to look different? You know, this is now the, the the Nate Miller show. And I know you guys are still tight and collaborative and you just laid it out there for us. You know, I remember basketball wise, you know, when Steve Fisher steps down at San Diego State, Brian Dutcher tweaked a couple of things, played a little bit more tempo. Is there is there something here as you get set for your first season as the head coach of San Diego Loyal that that we should expect to maybe see look a little bit different than what we've seen for the first three years? Yeah, I've had a lot of people ask me that question. And I think I think the natural tendency is when, when you see changes this year or tweaks or evolutions, um, it's going to be like, Oh, that's, that's more Nate's thing. Where in reality, if you look at our club from year to year to year, like we're always evolving, changing, tweaking, because that's what you have to do to be successful. So um, yeah, we're going to evolve a little bit and tweak a little bit and change some things, but just because we, we want to be the top team and you have to, to learn and you have to adapt and, and to, to be the best. So yeah, there's some little things that will hopefully look different because even you you remove four influential players and add four already just like the dynamic is is a little bit different. Now we have an incredible amount of returning consistency, but just like the player profiles, like, you know, you guys saw like just adding two players in among and vast, like the changes a whole lot of things. So when you add a Joe Corona or you add, you know, like a left-footed wing back and all different things that you'll see, like, those have changes in and of themselves because players bring their own qualities to the table. And, and also there's look, there's things that we did amazingly well, like the chance creation was amazing. The amount of goal scored were amazing, but we have to be a better defensive team. Um, and so that's, we're working really hard on that and we're going to make some adjustments in order to be a better defensive team. And um, I don't think this is the, you know, you guys wanted to go into all the weeds, but that, that is a reality is we have to, to win a, a championship we have to be a better defensive team so we we have to make just out of necessity make some some adjustments there well i'm prepared to go into the weeds because this is actually one of the <laughs> things i was going to ask you because you guys did take a huge bump up from 2021 to 2022 i realize these are just numbers everybody so i'll try to keep it as simple as possible but you went from 51 goals scored to 68 so plus 17 goals scored Goals allowed 45 to, to 58. So that's 13. And I was going to ask you, does, does being a better goal scoring team come with the sacrifice of maybe being, I don't want to say a lesser defensive team, but you know, just, it would make sense that you're pushing forward a little bit. You've got different players. Is that the trade-off that you guys were willing to make to be a better goal scoring team in 2022? Yeah, it's a great question. It's very layered. I will say with how we want to play, we do ask a lot of our defenders. So it, we defend as a team. And so, you know, if, if, if you want to play a certain way and attack a certain way, like you, you can't just attack with three players and have all that production. So yes, some of it is you end up asking a lot of certain players, um, but we're on the trajectory of, okay, we're a very efficient, very good explosive attacking team. 
but now we have to go to being a dominant team. Um, because you know, if you want to be the best teams, like you're an extremely like productive attacking team, but then you control the game so much control the transitions that even if you don't have to defend, you're just so dominant. And so, yeah, that's what we're trying to do. So some of it is you have a choice to make as a coach, what you value, what you want to do and where you're, where you're, belief system is at on the seesaw and we want to attack. And like, we've always said that this isn't anything new. We want to attack. We want to attain. That's where my personal belief is. I think that's why people pay money to come watch football matches. So yes. But secondly, there are things that you can always do to improve defensively. And I'm really happy with, um, they never really got stimulated into the group, but Ebi Akan and Jackson Kasanzu, who we signed at the end of last year, like give us an athleticism to play with that high line that we want. Um, which will really help our group. And so, you know, in, in professional football, like small things make big differences. Um, you add like you, you, you add one player in or change one, like adapt one concept and it can have massive like ramifications. So the answer is both. Yes, we're an attacking team and we will always be that. Um, but we want to go from being the best attacking team to being dominant. And so that's just controlling everything. And that's really hard to do. That's why only like, three teams in the world really do it um, um, can, can just be a, an amazing attacking team and then just totally control your opponent. You've referenced Joe Corona. Uh, you've brought him up by name. You've referenced Blake bodily as well. Uh, are you guys done? Should we expect another signing anytime soon? Um, I, the timing is still TBD. We, we have to make sure it's the right player at the right time. Um, and yeah, I think, yes, we, we should expect one, but it could, you know, we might wait to the summer, um, or if something happens soon, it might be, might be sooner. Um, it just has to be the right, the right player. So we're so fortunate to have such a core group returning that we need to be very good right away. That's important because we want to win the league and points are points, no matter if it's early or late. However, um, sometimes by waiting, you, you, you know, you have more clarity to exactly what your team needs um, when, when you have contacts. So if you, if you give yourself flexibility for the summer, then you, you have a lot of clarity. This is exactly what we need right now. The like more drilled down to what you, even to like the personality or the age and what you're all of that stuff. So there, there's strengths to both. And so, yeah, I think you should expect um, something more, um, but I don't, I don't know exactly when. I'm just curious your overall thoughts of the impact that those players will have on the team in the upcoming season. My initial thought is this team is getting stronger out wide. It's getting stronger right down the middle, which is a great combination to have. I think you've created an opportunity for Elijah Martin to move around a little bit more and use him in a different way. Um, overall, what do you think the big changes? What is the impact of adding a Blake bodily and a Joe Corona to this squad? Yeah, we were fortunate to be able to like, get drilled down to like, we're not rebuilding like different parts of our team. So we wanted left footed width as an option as well. So when we're attacking out wide, we wanted left footed width. Um, and we didn't have that exactly, even though like, um, we have players who are proficient there. Um, I, like I said, we view the Eddie Akon and Jackson as signings for this season. So we added pace in the back and athleticism in the back. Um, and as you mentioned, you, you know, it very well, that changes what we can do with E, um, with Elijah. Um, and look, I think the, what Joe is a top midfielder. Joe fits exactly what we want. And what I know is that you can't have like three central midfielders go 34 games, travel across the world and just like have those guys survive all of those minutes. So 
the way I, I view it and we planned it is we have four top players for three positions and that's football, you know? Um, and there's also creativity in ways I think we can use all of them. And we also have really important players like Toomey in the side. Um, and then Elliot brought like a collier. I've, I've liked him for a long, long time. I've um, tried to get him multiple times. He's a very versatile attacker. He's very tall. He's, he's, he's like, he, he can really connect the dots and he's, he's a winner. And he's like, a he, I think he's someone that people will, will really enjoy watching and he'll, he'll make us a lot better as well. So uh, as the highest scoring club in the, in the Western conference, I think your leading scorer last year is Kyle Vassell who went back home. How do you, how do you replace that? Is there, is there, is it Collier? Is it one? Is it a, is it a group effort? You know, how, how do you go about replacing your leading goal scorer from last season? Yeah, I know everyone was probably sad to see him go. There's a lot more to football than just, you know, it's, there's life that happens to people and places they need to be. And, you know, it's not for, you know, I can't, you can't always explain it, but yeah, we're going to miss Vass's goals. And I will say Vass was a, a huge success here. It was like the right personality, the right pedigree, the right physicality that we needed to help us. Um, and I, and it was, he was big time for us. Um, and I think that there was two, it was him after he got injured and then Nick, especially that really hurt us at the end of the season, especially people don't like losing a, a wing back like Nick, who's just one V one dominant has a lot of, um, has a lot of like, ramifications for your team. Um, so I think, um, it'd be hard to replace. Yeah, of course. That's 14 goals. That's a lot of goals. And, and you pay strikers to score goals. I will say a couple things though. Um, one, like, yes, we're adding, and then we'll probably still add a player as I've mentioned later. Um, but it is a group effort. And I truly believe like is like a very underrated player. Like he's a beast. Um, that guy is, is pretty different. Um, the people who know who, how good he is are his teammates because what he does in training. And sometimes guys like that need more of a platform. Um, and then I look, I really believe in Evan Conway. Um, I think a great stat about him um, as we analyze the whole season is all nine of his league goals were scored when the game was tied. Um, and I think that says a lot about a player of like when he scores all his goals. Um, and I think that what we look at of what his performances were like when he did play striker, um, if you extrapolate that out to a whole season, like he is a very, very productive striker. So sometimes people like in life need an opportunity, need to be given a platform. Um, and I do have some experiences in giving some younger players chances and surrounding them with the right players. And I think envisioning of what that can look like. And to me, that's, that's an exciting vision. So I believe in Evan. I know he's like a, a clutch player and he's a guy that when you give him responsibility, he comes through for you. Do you uh, approve of his dancing? I, I, if he's celebrating, then I approve because he's celebrating something. So I approve. No, he's a joy, man. That kid's, um, he, he's, he's, a, he's a great young man. That is an amazing stat. I just want to make sure I heard you correctly, Nate. All nine of his goals were go-ahead goals. Correct. When the game was tied, he scored all nine of his goals. Yeah. Wow. I like it. So a lot in football is there's a lot of strikers and this is like, this is the thing people just look at the goals, but when you score them, like if you're winning three, one and you score a mm. couple or you do this, like that doesn't matter as much. Um, and it's really like what gets you the points. And so that's the kind of stuff that we look at and go, hang on a second. Like, when did you score? When, you know, and, and those things really matter. And that's, I think, as a club, you can make smart decisions. 
one of the many things that I have found interesting so far in our conversation today is this balance. It sounds like you're trying to go through of when to really pull a trigger on adding another piece because you want to gain clarity on what that the right piece would be. So I guess my question to that would be how often are you surprised after a few games into a season? Like, are there moments where you're like, wow, I thought we would be really good at this, but turns out we're not as good as I thought, or I kind of thought this would be a weakness and this is what I would want to plug in, but turns out we're actually a lot further along than I had expected. How, how often does that happen that you're surprised in that sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's less like weakness to strength and it's more like on a dial, like I thought we were going to be good at that, but we're really good at that. Or I think we're going to need to spend a lot of time to improve this. Um, and I think it's more like, wow, more than it's more just on a scale. Um, cause if you're wrong, <laughs> if you think it's going to be a strength and isn't a weakness, you're like maybe a bad planner or like live in like a, like a wishful thinking type world that I think as a coach, people tend to overvalue their own players. I think just like, you just think that your players are better than they are and things like this. So I think that I try to think of our players, not as people, as players, as like who they are on their average day, not who they are on like their best day. Um, so I think that's important um, to be sure. So, yeah, I think it's also by waiting, you also don't know what potential injuries you have. So what, what type of player you might need to, to help you gain form at the end. Uh, yeah, the injury is a really good point as well. Uh, what part of last year, what scale do you think you guys undersold or maybe oversold at any point? Well, we were obviously trying to get more pace than the team and be more explosive. And I think players like Thomas were like performed better than what I thought. I hope, like I thought that yeah, it's possible for Thomas to be that good, but rarely are players like, yeah, but he was like really that good. Um, and, and more just adapted better than I thought. Um, and so, and the same as like Nick, he was very, very good at like, he could just shred his defender one V one in the wing. And like, and now I know Nick and I knew he'd be able to do it, but it was more like, okay, is he going to fit exactly, you know, the, the exact pieces. And so that triangle on the left of, of Charlie, Nick, um, and to me at times was, was pretty unstoppable. So there were like, we were, Obviously, the goal is to be athletic, more athletic, more physical, more pace. And I think that we were like outstanding in that area. So how do you um, prioritize all the different layers of, of be being a club coach from academy to season to open cup? You know, do you do you walk into this, you know, thinking, uh, you know, like which is the most important to you or to the club or to the city. I mean, that's a, an interesting thing about taking over season number four. There's still so many things to be done for the first time, including winning a playoff game, right? Yeah, and that that's right. And I think a lot of that is, it's not about you. <laughs> you know, I think sometimes like, for example, college coaches, they're kind of like these they're kings of this little kingdom, but like yeah, as a coach in the professional world, like you have an owner, you have a president, you have the general manager. Like, it's not just what I, what I want. It's what they want. Like what's important to our club. Um, what's important to the people who support this club to make this club possible. So we look at all of it. Um, but I say this a lot, we want to be a big club. And so when you're a big club, you got to do it all. You can't just like hone in on one thing that you want to do. And so, yeah, we want to bring through more Academy players. Like we want to help Duran become a top, top pro, like, sell them somewhere for sure. Right. We want to, so that's part of it, but they all have to fit together. And then 
So how do we make sure he's developing? Okay. But then we want to win a USL championship. That's priority number one. And we want to do it in the right way, the way we believe um, to like make our people so happy. And so how do you do that? We have to be better at the end of the season. Okay. So that's planning at the end of the season because our, our sporting culture loves playoffs, right? You, in all soccer playing countries around the world, there's usually not playoffs. So we have to like adapt. Instead of complaining about it, we have to adapt and make sure we're better at that. Um, and then there's open cup. It's like, well, we can't host all of our open cups at Tamara. So like how much of a priority should that be? But, but man, is that fun to be in an MLS team? So there's a lot of things. And the way, the simplest way I can describe it is we want to be a big club. So, um, we're fortunate to have an owner that wants to be a big club and wants to, you know, give us resources to be. And so that's, that's also the harder part of being a coach of a big club is you have to do everything, man. It's not like you can't have a try hard season and say, we gave it our best shot. Like that's not good enough. Hey, last thing for me, um, you know, the club uh, a couple of weeks back made the announcement, Nate, that uh, you had received um, your pro license. And, you know, there's not many people in the U S who have this coaching license that you have. And admittedly, I sort of looked and was like, Oh, okay, cool. And then when we were getting set to do this interview, I actually went back and looked at, at what that entailed. Man, that is quite a process. Uh, I, I hope people take the time to go and, and read what this license is all about. Can you just tell us you know, what, what that process was like for you and what it means for you to be on this very, very exclusive list of coaches in the United States? Sure. I, I didn't do it to like um, get like, you know, put a plaque up because it's so much work. It's not worth that. It, I do it like I've always, I love to learn like, Anyway, I, I'll already start my next project improving myself. And some of that is shadowing people maybe across the world or like having people who help me um, just be better. I read a lot. So it's for me, it's just all about learning and improving. Um, and I have that. And, you know, I remember like maybe 10 years ago, I remember talking to players about always improving, no matter what level you get to, imp having that drive to always improve um, rather than to achieve like success because you can't control so much of that. And I realize I'm like, man, I better be doing the same thing myself. Um, because what I not despise, but what I did not like when I, when I saw like older coaches, what it just seemed like what they, there's like a certain age where a lot of coaches get to it and then they keep doing the same thing and they don't stop. Um, and so for me, it's about evolving and yeah. Okay. The process was like a year long process with us soccer. There's like nine candidates, I think went through it the whole year. Um, there's multiple site visits to different cities where you do a lot of different things. And an instructor, Barry Powell's who's very high up in us soccer came and would shadow me for three weeks during the year at different times. And then like it, the amount of work is, is a lot, but it's, it's all contextualized to what you're doing and who you are as a coach. That's what's different than the rest of the licenses where you're kind of going through us soccer, what they demand of you. So this is just, what is your identity going to be and how do you, um, absolutely maximize that. So it was really nice to be able to things I've worked on in my career are still working, able to like put them all in something and like into a very formalized process that really makes sense. Um, and that can, um, it's, it's a, it's a nice, like tangible thing for me to have now, but it was really just a time that my favorite times was, was working with the colleagues that I met some really good coaches around the country. Um, and then, and then you have like nine good friends at the end of it who are all going through, very difficult challenges and that you get to like learn so much through the challenges they're going through because it's like a, a collaborative year of just always talking through every detailed 
um, situation every coach is going through. Mm. Yeah, I love what you said too. A lifelong learner, Nate Miller. That's good. It's an important quality. Very good stuff, coach. We're very excited for the upcoming season. We're excited for you to get ready for your number one as the head coach. I'm curious as my last thing, once we actually are here with that home opener, Detroit city's here, we're at Torero stadium. We're ready to kick off the season. You're on the sidelines. You're ready to go. How, how different will it feel? Do you think it's going to feel any different at all compared to the last couple of years? Once, once that ball is kicked for you and you're, you're the head coach there in match number one. Yeah, I can easily say no. It's not going to be different, but like, yeah, on the mat, yeah, it'll be feel a little bit different, um, and it'll be it'll be special thing. It feels like a long time ago when I moved to you know made that move to come to San Diego. So, um, like, I'm very honored to 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 be the on field leader of this club. I really like. I love love working here. I love being with this club. So, um, and I'm I'm excited that they you know they they wanted to keep me here long term. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be special and. I also know that like, I'm just like a small, like dot in this club's hopefully long history. And our job right now is to make this like club that I think means a lot to a lot of people, like make it bigger, make it better, evolve it, grow it. And so, um, it's more just a responsibility to do that. And I think we have a really good team and I think that our, our people really love watching us and we'll try to exceed those, those expectations this year. We're excited for you. We're excited for the team. We think the team's going to be really good too. We're excited for that home opener. Good luck this season, coach. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, thanks again, Nate Miller, for joining the Always Loyal podcast. Still got to get used to that. The head coach of San Diego Loyal. I'm so programmed into saying the head coach, Landon Donovan, the head coach, Nate Miller. First matchup coming this Saturday, February 4th against San Diego State University. Jordan, what were your takeaways there? There was a lot. We There's thank lot Nate there. for giving us a ton of time, especially as he's preparing here for a preseason game upcoming, a regular season, incorporating new players. Anything jump out to you? Yeah, several things um, that another player is on its way. The question is when um, I really love that he got into the the description of the different phases of the season and when to actually make decisions and the best times to do things and giving yourself the opportunity to learn about your team before making impactful decisions. Um, I thought the line about being a big club stood out. I I really liked his description of the dial of expectations. And I think that makes a lot of sense going into a new season, having that conversation right now, because like, like it's not going to be extreme. Like he said, you're not going to go into a season thinking you have a really good strength and it turns out to be your biggest weakness. Like you can't miss that badly. It's more of a, it's a subtle dial that you can scale front and back. I'm, I really enjoyed his explanation on that. I'm curious like what, where, where that dial stands on a few things this year. Um, but I, I, I like the approach. I think that's a really smart approach that you get from experience instead of just going out there right away saying, I want to go get this person in a few months, you, you might have a completely different opinion of who you would want in that spot anyway. So, um, I like that approach. Um, even if it ends up not being the approach they take, but it sounds like it will be. Yeah. I, I like that as well. Like we're at that point now where we're essentially, we're still into the off season because March 11th is still more than a month away. 
but we've got a preseason game and then we got another one against ML LMU. And then we have one against NYCFC and then LAFC. And, and, you know, at some point you have to stop with the off season tinkering. You got to say, this is what it looks like. Where does it need a little bit of help? And that will be the approach to it. So I did like that. I thought the big club stuff from a big picture standpoint, 30,000 feet up stood out to me as well. Cause that's understanding, you know, this isn't just about coming up with a starting 11 and what are my rotations going to be? This is about, Hey, we want Duran Faree to be a big time player. You and I watched the U S men's national team play. And there was a little USL flair to that because, you know, Jonathan Gomez and others were playing and representing for the U S and, and, you know, that was a proud moment for the USL. I'm sure that's something that the club is focused on as well as the Academy signing players, developing local talent, helping them turn pro. So, you know, I love putting that out there in the open, the open cup, obviously. And, you know, that's the great thing about this. It's not exactly a blank canvas, right? There's been a lot of things already filled in on the canvas for San Diego loyal, but now Nate Miller gets to put his you know own individual paintbrush on that canvas as well. And, and we get to see what that looks like. I'm, I'm glad, you know, that, not that we would expect otherwise that the philosophy will remain somewhat the same. They want to be exciting. They want to be attacking. They want to go out there. They want to score goals. And I love, I'm just still blown away by that line about Evan Conway. Was that out there? And I somehow missed that. That's a, that's an incredible, incredible little nugget there on Evan Conway that all nine of his goals came when the score was tied. That's amazing. Yeah. It's almost waiting the goals to see how impactful they are to the actual match itself. What do you think yeah. about the uh, wardrobe um, fine that he got in the past? Well, I, we've listen. joked about the wardrobe only because it, it's it's always an easy, fun topic to have with managers in this sport, especially. Um, and we've actually had the commissioner of the league on last year, and he talked about the wardrobe committee that will throw fines around based on whether they consider fashion to be good or bad. I have no idea how how or who gets to make that decision on what fashion is and what's good and what's bad. But apparently there's a committee at the USL level. And uh, at one point in Nate Miller's past, he he wore shorts when he wasn't supposed to. So thank goodness Alejandro Guido doesn't get fined for wearing short shorts. I also am glad he gave us a little bit of a glimpse into Landon's very expensive wardrobe that the jeans that Landon's wearing are even more expensive than I would have thought. Well, listen, you know, that's the other thing about this. I know we're sort of joking about the wardrobe and all that sort of stuff, but there is something you could say about that. Like you no longer can just blend in here, right? Like you can't blend in when you're done with these games. You got to talk to people. You got to talk to two balls and a mic. You got to talk to people who are waiting there, who are going to interview, who are going to say, Hey, why did this work? Or why didn't that work? Or what's going on here? Right. And, and you know, I'm not saying that Nate ever blended in. If you ever went to training, you know, Nate doesn't exactly blend in. You can hear him mm-hmm. all the way across the Chula Vista facility. But, you know, they, there's no way now Nate just walks off. Nate Miller now is is somebody who there will be eyeballs on and there will be expectations of. And, you know, I I do love the story of, of Nate Miller deciding working in financing was not really in finance was, wasn't for him. And he just decided to be a soccer coach in 2010. I think it's just a great, great story. And how much he, he pours into this sport as a former player, I think is is fantastic. So I'm, I'm fired up and yeah, listen, I do think you know, Landon saying some of the stuff that Landon said on his way out. Yeah. 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 Nate's mostly responsible for that. Nate going, no, 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 no. Landon does a lot more. He's just a humble guy. You know, I think it, it, it you know, we probably should expect a couple of tweaks. Maybe you have to be savvy enough. And I don't know that I am to, to see exactly what it's going to look like, 
But I think anything that we're watching is part of the evolution of the club, which I thought was just a a great, great point that Nate made. That anything you see this year that might look a little different isn't Nate going, okay, good. I'm glad we don't do that anymore. It's part of this club's plan that it's not just year to year. It's how the club operates on a regular basis. Uh, Very good point. And I think the last one I want to bring up is the observation when well, we asked when the conversation started and he, he said kind of in August is when those early conversations were, were brought up with Landon Donovan, the idea of potentially taking on a new role, what that would mean for Nate Miller. Um, it didn't sound like the details were, were ironed out at that point in August, but he, we at least found out when that conversation started. It, it wasn't at the, at the end of the season, after the season, like there, which makes sense. Like the reason we even threw it out there, uh, last week on the podcast was because Landon Donovan, exactly what Nate Miller said, Landon Donovan's not someone who's going to make a decision at that scale based off of like one night of sleep or something, you know, like he's going to be, there's a process that goes through that. He thinks about that. And oh. there's no way he just woke up one morning and decided to to completely <laughs> change everything, you know? So like, you knew that there were, there had to have been a process. It just made sense that there would be. And I'm, I'm glad we got a little insight on, on when at least that process started. That conversation got me ready though. It did. <laughs> I got to say, listening to him talk a little bit about what it's going to look like in the midfield, some of the tweaks, some of the the moving around for particular players, the challenge of having to replace somebody like Kyle Vassell, who was so good at what he did, and then thinking about some of the ways that you're going to go ahead and do that, his expectations for for different players, I I, I got me ready to roll. Well, the club's ready to roll. The preseason is here, Darren. Preseason a couple weeks, and then next thing you know it, uh, before anyone realizes it, it's going to be Detroit City here in town for the home opener. It's it's here. Um, and How about Blake Bobbley, by the way? Roll. I know we didn't, you know, we focused a little bit about that, but we remember that month that he spent with the club from Portland Timbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think everyone had the same impression after that. You kind of left like, thinking, wow, like, wow I wish, that, really I wish that lasted longer. I wish we yeah. had him on the team a little bit longer. And now we do. Yeah. yeah, boy, wouldn't it have been great to keep that guy around? Yeah. And now we get him. That's, that was that's great news. That's, that's very good. That was, he was the original Josh Yarrow. Remember? Because we were like, man, I like, wish they kept Josh Yarrow around. Like the first Josh Yarrow was Blake Bodily. Yeah. I actually, I, I considered asking a similar question. Like, which player are you going to miss the most next year? Um, I think Yarrow was, was one of the answers that would have been brought up last year for sure. Cool. Well, uh, they sound ready. Uh, I, I know we're ready. I, I, we're ready, ready for the preseason to go. We're ready for the regular season to be here and we're ready for all the different phases of the season to unfold and good luck managing all those different phases. But that's, that's the job of a head coach, kind of just linking them all together, making sure they connect the right way and putting yourself in the best opportunity to, to make that right move at the right time. By the way, I did hear from the locals. I was told that yes, The Growler is definitely part of their post-match experience again in 2023 at Torero Stadium. Beautiful. Since we said, I think they're going to continue that tradition, but we're not sure. I did have somebody from the locals. Maybe it rhymes with Schnuba Schmieve, who did say that they were continuing the tradition of handing out the Growlers. Oh, Schnuba. Sounds like it rhymes with Schnuba Schmieve. Joe Corona should be very excited. He sounded excited when we brought that up. So 
I have a feeling he will be uh, served at least a few beverages this season at Torero Stadium. Or, Darren, or, or, or is or, he on the Alejandro Guido plan? Tequila? Where when you're named man of the match, you prefer tequila. Well, it'd probably be more affordable if it was beer. I don't know. We so. should have asked him. Men, I mean, dues might go up a little bit if we have to serve tequila every <laughs> single time. I don't know. All right, Darren. They're, they're doing well. They're giving out scarves there. Darren, we want to thank Nate Miller for joining the Always Loyal podcast. Excited for the preseason to get underway. Regular season going to be here before we know it. I think we learned a lot with Nate Miller uh, in that conversation. So we, we do appreciate it. Any last thoughts before we say goodbye? Yeah, subscribe to this podcast. Go to sdloyal.com slash loyal podcast.